Hello and welcome to Diaries of a Lady Gardener. If you think gardening is cool and would rather take a trip to the garden centre than go out-out, you've found the right podcast, but also you're not in the minority. New research from Draper Tools has revealed that over 80% of young people officially think gardening is cool, and that's mainly because of its benefits for mental health and the environment. Draper Tools is proudly sponsoring this podcast, so why not join me in following them on Instagram, at draper underscore tools. In this episode, I got the pleasure of chatting to one of my absolute favourite Instagram allotmenteers, Haley's Lottie Haven, who also owns Backyard Designs, which I am obsessed with. Her ambitions for self-sufficiency and incredible experiences with flowers, veggies and chickens are truly inspiring and you're going to love her. Hi Hayley, how are you? Yes, I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Really good, thank you. I am over the moon that you are here today to chat to me. I feel like I've been a bit of a super fan of yours for since before I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you don't have to feel like that at all. I'm just like any other gardener out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's part of the reason I love you. Um, <laughs> but you have got so many amazing projects that I want to chat about today. So I thought we would jump right in. And it might be a bit of a sore subject because I know that it's only recently that we lost the lovely Olive. But your allotment chickens, I think it's a really good story for a lot of people who don't necessarily know about council allotments and chickens. Um, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your chickens. Yeah, yeah, it was actually funny. Today. I've just literally written an article about Olive, so um, it's brought up. Oh. Like, yeah, had a little tear of her, uh, but um, yeah, no, it's been brilliant. So when I first got my allotment, um, another guy on the allotment site had chickens at the time. Um, and I was like, oh, you can have chickens. And I was like, oh, that'd be nice. Because in my goal of being self-sufficient, that would also mean sort of having my own eggs. And the long-term goal would be having sort of small holding and having a bit of an animal rescue. So having that space on my allotment and then gaining my second plot, which gave like gave me plenty of room to grow in, um, I thought maybe I could just use a small amount of that, put a chicken coop up. It's going to be sort of quite low-key. Um, so yeah, I applied to the council and um, wrote them a letter and said I'm planning on getting chickens. And it was more just to let them know that I was doing it rather than me seeking permission. Um, and then they replied and said, oh no, you can't do that. It's in your contract that you can't have animals on your plot. Um, but I'd actually previously heard that you can have animals on your plot. You can have chickens and rabbits. I'm not sure where the two connect. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, you can have those two um, animals on your plot um, without permission, and that is if you have a council-run allotment. And it's part of, it's a 1950s Act, Allotment Act, and basically that Act then overrules any sort of stipulations or contracts that you have with the council. So obviously this doesn't apply to if you've got a private um, allotment site. So, yeah, it's only for your council um, and they can't actually do anything to stop you. So if they do try and stop you, it, all I did was I sent them back um, a link to the 1950s Act and um, they changed their mind instantly. Which is brilliant because I feel like your chickens are such a big part of your sort of allotment adventure. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're just, they brought personality to the allotment. Um, they helped me. I mean, obviously they did not help me a lot. <laughs> You know, when I first had them, I never had any fencing around my allotment and um, 
they would just wander off onto other people's plots <laughs> and I'd I'd like go and find peanuts somewhere and I'd come back and all the other girls were like somewhere else eating what they shouldn't have been eating some cabbages and god knows what else so yeah it was hard work but they rewarded me so much with just like their daily antics that they got on uh, <laughs> the slugs and all the bugs that they would eat um obviously the eggs were a great um incentive as well but yeah it was just lovely to have them on there mm-hmm. and had they all been rescue chickens Yes, yeah. So they were all rescued. Um, they were rescued from the British Hen Welfare Trust. Um, and basically all chickens um are slaughtered at 17 months old when they're in sort of an egg farm. And um, so there's different charities out there that step in at that point and take them off the farmers because it actually costs the farmers to slaughter them. Um, so they take them off their hands for free. We go and pick them up, give a small donation. Um, and most of the time they are in a sorry state for themselves. Um, mm-hmm. Although regulations are getting better, um, even the free range chickens, they're sort of um, being plucked to death by each other. Um, they don't really have the nutrition that they need. So they've normally got pale cones and they're just, yeah, they're really not in a great condition. But actually it was amazing to see within sort of one to three months, even the worst looking chicken that I had had transformed into like, you couldn't believe that she was the same same hen. So again, that's such, that's such a rewarding part of it. Yeah. And so amazing that you were able to give them such a lovely life after yeah. such a poor start. I know, and that's the thing. And so some of them went uh, on uh, a year after I'd rescued them. Some of them, Olive Olive lasted three years since I rescued her. Um, and it was just nice to remember that they would have never have had that life if, mm-hmm. you know, the and I hadn't rescued them. So every single day was sort of a benefit to them and how they should have been living their lives. Oh, that's so lovely. Um, <laughs> moving on to slightly more happier stories. Um, you are getting married this year. Very exciting. And I am in awe of your ambitions to grow your flowers, fruits and veg. Yeah, I think a lot of people think I'm mad, actually. (laughs) I think it's an amazing goal, especially because you've got that sort of self-sustainability goal, self-sufficiency goal for the future. Like this must be a real good challenge on that path. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I had probably got married... Probably even five years ago, I don't think I would have had that in my sights. And me and Dale, we've been together for over a decade. So this isn't sort of like a fairy tale wedding, you know, like mm-hmm. we're pretty much married as it is. Um, this is just really a big celebration um, for all of our families to come together. Um, so, yeah, I just couldn't picture it any other way now to go ahead. And, you know, I'm picking the menu, doing it seasonally because I don't want to go to the supermarket and buy something that I know. It's like my mum was saying we should do uh, meringues topped with cream and fresh fruit and she's saying strawberries, but we're getting married in September. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, 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 we raspberries because it would just feel wrong to me to choose something that I know would be flying in from hundreds of miles when I've got it growing in my plot. I mean, it does, yeah, have the added pressure. <laughs> that, uh, I'm up for a challenge. I'm always up for a challenge. Definitely. And how's it going so far? Are you all on track? Yeah, it's going well. It's been really, really hard with COVID because obviously we meant to get married last September. And um, so I had everything growing sort of and on order from March. 
And then uh, we made the decision really early on to postpone it for a year because we just couldn't see how it worked. And it was such a big commitment to grow everything. And then at the last minute, be let down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this year has been really tricky with the weather. It's just been <laughs> awful year. And I just, yeah, everything's just like behind by a month. Um, but we actually chose the wedding to be in September based on what I wanted to grow. Amazing. So I, yeah, I was like, Daryl kept going on wanting like a May wedding. I was like, I can't grow anything for May. He's definitely like, we'd live on <laughs> some new potatoes. I was like, no, that's not going to happen. I need like the full season because I will be freezing things. It won't be everything completely fresh. But um, yeah, that's the, the whole wedding revolved around when I could grow things and what flowers would be in season. So yeah. That is incredible. Like, absolute goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've done it and I'll probably regret it but as I say I wouldn't have it any other way I don't think you will regret it I think even if things go wrong because that's half the fun of gardening isn't it when you kind of have a bit of a failure and you're like all right we'll try yeah. again I know and like people have said like oh what go- what if like something goes wrong what if I get blight on my potatoes or something and I'm like I'm not putting myself under that much pressure that I'm not going to go to the supermarket and buy some, you know, there's, <laughs> yeah. you've got limits. So I'm not going to be stressing out a week before the wedding going, all oh, the potatoes have like died. <laughs> you know, it's just, it is what it is. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just a relaxed approach to it. I think that's the best way to go. Um, and on that topic, do you have any like plant nemesis, fruits, veg, flowers that you just really struggle with every year? Um, I'll tell you what, I, I'm growing, we're having a bourguignon for the main course um, mm. and I'm growing shallots, all the shallots to go in there. But onions are just, onions, garlic and shallots are just such a problem in my pot because I've got onion white rot in the ground. Um, so I think it's all looking lovely and then like literally a couple of weeks before I go to harvest them, I notice them like flopping over mm-hmm. um, and not flopping over because they've reached their full potential. It's because they're just covered in mould in the ground oh, no. so yeah that's what that's one thing I really struggle with and I'm just quite conscious of we'll be doing a lot of salad mm-hmm. um as, and timings you know it, before like you harvest something when it's ready now I'm trying to work to when I need it to be ready to harvest it so and we've had some such hot summers recently mm-hmm. that I'm just picturing all the salads bolting and things like <laughs> that yeah but we'll see yeah, at least salad is one of those things that does grow quite quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Especially. I mean, not overnight, but... <laughs> no, no, not quite as quickly. You'd be harvesting yeah. microgreens that have grown in like 48 hours. Exactly, yeah. But I'm just trying to plan everything. So sort of everything's done in advance. I'm going to be doing like all the herbs frozen and even things like um, flowers for... Uh, the ice cubes, edible flowers, I'll be sorting all that out before. So I'm sort of planning it through the months rather than leaving everything to September. Mm-hmm. That sounds amazing. Um, and what flowers have you got planned for your wedding? Oh, flowers. So I've got particular flowers that I've planned for the bouquets, but then also I'm planning on sort of having some flowers leading us down to the marquee. So they're actually going to be plants in the ground um, which I think I'm hoping they're going to double up that I can then pick sort of the freshest ones from them to put in the bouquets. So we've got lots of cosmos. Um, I've also grown some eucalyptus from seed, which is doing really well now. Mm-hmm. I've had that extra year to grow it on. <laughs> um, 
lots of dahlias, um, chrysanthemums, um, carnations. Um, and then I've also got things like quite sort of common things like the calendula, um, verbena, uh, cornflowers. Um, what else have we got? Nasturtiums. They're all going to be in sort of the field. I probably won't be using those for my bouquets, but yeah, mm-hmm. they're going to be there. So yeah, I'm just hoping I've got about three, three to four hundred seedlings. Um, wow. Um, so yeah, hopefully they make it because again, I've got no idea with the wildlife if they're going to sort of have a good feast on it overnight while I'm not looking. But yeah, can only try. Keep all of our fingers crossed for you. <laughs> <laughs> and if we get a really dry summer, it's going to be hard. But yeah, I don't know what the weather holds. You never know because this year so far has been the complete opposite of last year. So, As, yeah, I don't know whether we're going to get an Indian summer or whether it's just going to be like this for the rest of the year, but <laughs> not the latter. Fingers crossed. Um, another thing I really wanted to talk to you about was your amazing DIY projects. You were the inspiration behind my swing seat, and I know you've not built a oh, swing I seat. Love, I love your swing <laughs> Yeah, that, that's one that I want to get on. It was such an easy thing to build, but I think... For me, I always had looked at DIY projects and been like, oh, looks a bit tricky. Like, I've never done anything like it, so I probably won't be very good at it. And then after building the shed door, because I'd seen you do so many things, and I was like, she's just got a drill. She, like, it must be doable. Um, yeah. So I gave it a go, and it, it was so easy and so much fun. Like, I definitely would encourage anyone else to give the DIY a go. Not that everything goes smoothly. There's always a few things that, like, the door doesn't quite hang right. And some things are a little bit wonky, but it's all about trying a trial and error. Yeah, and, and it adds to the charm as well. Definitely. My yeah, swing seat's I got mean, a lot of charm, a lot of <laughs> mismatch. No one measured anything. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's the beauty of it. And at the end of the day, I think the allotment, it's all about what you've created. So mm-hmm. whether that's plants that you've created or the structures and the, the wooden things that you've done. So yeah, you can look at it all and go, yes, this is mine. That's what I've done. Whether it's wonky or not, I don't think it matters. <laughs> do you have a favourite a favorite of your DIY projects that you've done? I do love the Bug Hotel. Yeah, oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's my absolute yeah. favourite. Yeah, I do love it. I mean, there's I think there's a lot of different things. So like the gate that I've done, it's more practical. I needed it. And mm-hmm. being friends as well really works well for what I want from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Bug Hotel whether it's through winter, autumn, summer, spring, it still looks great. So, yeah, and getting lots of wildlife there as well. That's amazing. Um, which brings us quite nicely onto um, one of my favourite topics, which is your incredible business, Backyard Designs. Thank you. Um, so I have, I think, probably most things from the collection, the seed box, the sign, the plant markers, the coasters, um, yeah. every, everyone I know has got a sunflower marker this year for the sunflower competition. <laughs> no, I've made yeah. <laughs> um, And so can you tell us a little bit about how you got started with that? Yeah, so um, I did 3D design at uni. So I did woodwork, metalwork, ceramics and plastics. And um, I always knew that I wanted to get into doing something where I could have my own business. Um, and when I left uni, I got a product design job with um, a company called Veg Truck. Mm-hmm. And it was a real sort of opener into 
product design and also gardening. And at that point, I'd literally, just about six months before I'd got my first allotment. So the two, the job and sort of my hobby merged into one perfectly. Um, the only trouble with that job was that I was far away from it. I was um, two, yeah, two hours away from my allotment. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I moved up there. We rented, um, but I still kept my allotment on. And I travelled back most weekends to do it. Um, That's a commitment. It was, <laughs> it was, yeah. And I think all the allotment holders thought I was mad. And I think at the beginning they were like, oh, this young girl, you know, she's not going to hack it. She's going to give it up soon. But I never did. And I, probably what they thought of me um, spurred me on a little bit more. To <laughs> um so, yeah, I've always had the design background, um, but I just wanted to come back home. I uh, wanted to come back to my allotment. So I found a new job um, working with a laser cutting company. Um, and from there, sort of my ideas for what I wanted in my own garden and in my allotment sort of sprung to life. And so I decided to leave the company and get my own laser machine and do my own designs. So, yeah, it just works perfectly because... Things like, for example, the seed box. There's so many of them available online, but I just don't feel that they are fit for gardeners because you haven't got the size for one thing. Like I could never fit my seeds into, I've had countless boxes that people mm-hmm. have got me for Christmas and birthdays and my seeds just do not fit into them. I needed a bigger box. And also I wanted to give something um, to people that they could completely personalise it. So inside you can have whatever dividers for categories that you want. So some people go for months, some people go for sort of varieties. And it's that flexibility because we all garden differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we're planning out our season in advance, you know, I plan things based on beds. And it was really nice to have someone order theirs on bed one, bed two, bed three, bed four. Just, it's it's just um, I think I've got that knowledge of gardening and how sort of an amateur gardener thinks to then put that into my design work. It, it just marries up really nicely. Yeah, and I think that it they're all so popular with everyone. I've actually got my seed box at work at the moment, and every time someone walks past my desk, they're like, "Oh, what's this?" <laughs> and then I open it up, open it up, and even the non gardeners like, "Wow, look at that." Oh. <laughs> organization isn't it I mean everyone loves a bit of organization whether you can appreciate what's inside it or not yeah yeah definitely and do you have like future plans for the business or are you happy with it just sort of as it is would you like to go full-time one time one day I I have in the last um sort of since the new year I've scaled back on my kitchen fitting that I do with my dad um so now I'm only doing sort of one or two days a week with him Mm -hmm. so I'm almost in the business full-time that's amazing Um, yeah and then in the future I would love to expand and get um a laser machine that will cut metal (gasps) wow uh, yeah, I just love to do more like sort of sculpture things outside and um, sort of more art pieces for people to put up on their walls outside because that's the thing as well. Like, I just I love I love the garden. I love being <laughs> outside and there's that connection of sort of bringing your garden inside and your home outside and yeah, it, it's a nice balance. Yeah, definitely. And I think they're such lovely products as well. Whether you're giving a gift to yourself or to someone else, exactly, yeah. Yeah, quite quite easy to find some garden inspiration because I find a lot of the gardening products are either a little bit tacky or just massively tailored towards the 
retired audience that gardeners so traditionally are <laughs> yeah and you know there's only a certain amount of gloves that you can own yeah <laughs> I think every gardener must have hundreds I think every Christmas I get gloves and seed bombs yeah like two things that just everyone is like you're a gardener you must love these two things uh, and I mean not everything that I design and make is sort of practical and usable some of it is obviously ornamental but mm-hmm. then on my allotment I suppose a lot of people down on my allotment site are maybe of the older generation mm-hmm. um, and to them the allotment is somewhere where they come and grow their food and come away from but my allotment um, when I first got it I didn't have my own garden mm-hmm. um, and when I was living away I had a flat so I had no outside space whatsoever and the garden re- the allotment really evolved into my garden you know I take just as much pride as I do in my allotment and I do my garden at home um, and to adorn it with sort of flowering plants and plant markers and things like that and signs is just as important to me as you know as my garden at home definitely and it adds so much more personality as well like anyone can grow a garden and sort of plant plants but I think it's these little touches like the DIY projects the little markers that really make it sort of like like you said an extension of your home yeah yeah definitely and it's a place where I go and relax as well you know it's not just go there work 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 especially when I had the chickens I was there twice a day every day through wet and sunshine and yeah it was just calming very calming it's so wonderful (laughs) and going back to your self-sufficiency um goals is that something that you have always wanted to do or is it something you kind of grew into Um, I think I grew into it. I mean, I've always loved cooking um, and my mum's um, a classically trained French chef. Mm -hmm. So always growing up with um, sort of wonderful cooking and fresh dishes every night. And the reason why I started growing my own was because I wanted to just basically see what favourite ingredients I could grow. There wasn't really any longevity in it I never planned to get an allotment I didn't actually even know what an allotment was at that point uh, <laughs> it was just oh there's some butternut seeds, squash seeds in the supermarket um, I'm gonna give them a go in pots in my parents garden so there was never sort of a plan to end up being self-sufficient but I think when you start gardening I think you then see sort of like the bigger impact on things mm-hmm. and do see the sustainability side of the air miles that your food was going through uh, even just like the packaging the things of the pesticides and it you just would never have thought about how many chemicals go in your food unless you've seen it and the thing about having the allotment is there are some allotment holders that do take that approach of spraying everything with weed killer and pesticides and everything like that and you just look at it and you think what what's the point you might as well go into the supermarket and purchase that exact same thing yeah I want something different that you can't necessarily get um not easily and also people always compare sort of does it save you money does like is there is there cost involved and yes of course there's cost involved but if I was to compare my organically grown kale to an organically grown kale in a supermarket that's been sustainably sourced and all the rest of it, mm-hmm. the price would probably actually be quite equal, I think. Um, yeah, you can't compete with a bag of carrots for 19p, but mm. they're not the 
plants that I would grow and they haven't got the same principles to them. So, yeah, I think the sustainability thing definitely has grown um, and it's just been a goal. I'm, I, I'm one to always set myself goals and um, to every year be like, what can I grow that I don't, that I'm going to eat a lot of. Um, and it's experimenting as well. Like now I grow a lot more varieties, but a lot less plants. So mm-hmm. I'll only grow a few of each plant. Um, whereas back when I started, I'd be like overrun with butternut squash and potatoes. <laughs> I do with these, but you get more creative in the kitchen as well. Yeah, definitely. And with growing your own, it's so much more exciting because you can pick new varieties that you would never find in a supermarket. And the taste, I just think, is incomparable. Like, I remember having the first, like, corn on the cob, first carrot, first strawberry, and just being like, I feel like I've been eating different vegetables for all this time because they don't taste anything like what I've just grown. Yeah, exactly that. And you you eat the first thing and you're like, well, if this tastes like this, what does that taste like? And yeah. then it just more and more yeah couldn't agree more yeah definitely and um I only really discovered flowers in the last year because I was all about sort of growing things to eat and then everyone on Instagram started off with the dahlias and I was a bit got a bit of envy um so this year I've been quite big into flowers um everyone has said the same favorite so far but what's your all-time favorite flower it's got a bit of a dahlia <laughs> So everyone's it's a full house. <laughs> oh, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it really doesn't surprise me. There's so many different varieties of dahlias. I went to um, a show locally to me and there's literally hundreds and hundreds, I think it was maybe even thousands of different varieties of dahlias and they all look completely different to each other. Uh, I don't think you can find a plant that has so much diversity in no. the different varieties of them. So, yeah, and they're... Um, I actually find them really easy to grow. As long as mm. you can get slugs, then you're, you're, you're winning. Yeah, definitely. And so easy to like propagate more free plants off when you've got like exactly. extra shoots. I've yeah, been watching yeah. um Swan Cottage's flower, Swan Cottage flowers stories on how to like get extra plants off when you, because I've got quite a few daily tubers that have got like eight or nine little shoots coming off them. So yeah. I can't wait to like probably double some of the stock I've got this year. I know it's amazing and also with growing for the wedding I've sort of I've harnessed a lot more of the self-seeded stuff this year so mm-hmm. I've got popped absolutely everywhere and I noticed verbena growing absolutely everywhere um uh, it's all self-seeded and normally in previous years I'd have just weeded it and put them in the bin in the compost <laughs> bin um and this year because obviously I'm like hanging on to any seedling that I can possibly get that I haven't got to physically grow from seed myself um I'm just putting them all on and it's mm-hmm. amazing how much you can actually get from just doing that one simple thing I know I don't know I think I was a bit naive and thinking oh they won't grow they won't, they'll be you know they won't produce a good flower or anything <laughs> but they're doing well so yeah I think that's again another like exciting part of the allotment is sometimes things do crop up where you don't necessarily expect them to um, I've got some rogue sunflowers that are growing in the greenhouse on the path at the moment, but I almost don't want to, they're in a bit of an awkward place, but I just want to leave them because I don't know how it's how it's going to turn out. <laughs> yeah, experimenting of the allotment. I mean, the last couple of years, I think because I've been so focused on the wedding growing, mm-hmm. I've missed that experimental growing because mm-hmm. normally every year I'll have a list of like three to five things of something I've never grown before and that I want to try. Um, and some things will fail 
most things fail. Um, and then like years on years, you keep trying and you keep trying and you mm-hmm. have to accept them. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it is just that experimenting. And that's the nice thing. Like you wouldn't be able to go to the supermarket and do that. You wouldn't be able to pick up something and go, oh, I'll cook with this tonight. But yeah. you can do it. So yeah. Definitely. And it's quite funny as well. Everyone has said the same thing about sort of like when you face a bit of a failure with a plant, you don't just go, all right, well, I won't grow that here. Then everyone's like, no, I'm determined. I will try that again and it will work out eventually. <laughs> yeah, you research it and you find something different. It was like I tried to grow raspberries for three or four years in a row. Um, and every year I put the bare root crown into the ground and I get all excited and then they just got waterlogged every single autumn because our site gets really waterlogged and they just went away. So then I thought one year, I was like, right, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to buy the plants in spring when they're actually growing mm-hmm. and then they'll have all of that year to grow before it gets to the waterlogged time and it worked. But that Amazing. was three, four years of hard, like, I, I, I'm not giving up. <laughs> You've got to be quite, um, can't even think what the word is determined you do yeah and I think those failures just make you more determined definitely and I think they're always something to laugh about like I the amount of stories that I always tell about times when the the best stories I think are the ones where something has gone really wrong Mm -hmm. because then you're like but next year next year I've got it in the bag (laughs) yeah yeah you're always like yeah I'm gonna do this and then it maybe fails again but. Yeah, um, my sweet PTP is definitely that for me this year. But I have seen some new shoots today, so fingers crossed. I'll have you, but it's been such a hard year though, especially mm-hmm. for like early spring growing. The conditions have just been like up and down, like a yo-yo. So I'm not surprised the plants aren't um, feeling their best this year. No. Um, also, your sunflowers last year—they were amazing. I think that they're amazing every year, actually. But last year in particular, I just remember you holding up that smiley face sunflower yeah, head. That was that was actually my first year of giving um, giant sunflowers a go. I've always grown sunflowers, but only just like six foot high. I've never bothered mm-hmm. to a good go. But um, a friend of mine last year gave me, um, sent me some seeds. And um, so I said, oh, you know what, I might give them a go. And do you know what, if, if they probably fail then I would go no I, I wasn't growing them to be real so <laughs> look nice um but yeah they they did do really well I had one taken out in the winds last year um but I've got a couple that are probably about two foot at the moment so wow. you see how they go this year but again it was really nice to keep all their seeds and then give them away with the orders that I'm sending out so yeah it was a nice sort of again uh balance of um harvesting something and then giving it back out for other people to try and grow their own definitely and I think saving seeds is such an amazing thing to do because you it's all I always thought when I first saved I think I saved TP sweet pea TP seeds first and I sent them out to loads of people but I didn't believe that they germinate I just thought like there's no way that that free like thousands of free seeds are just going to germinate off their own accord like it just didn't seem like something that would happen but they all germinated and grew really really well and then it's like almost like passing on part of your story to someone else it is definitely I mean I do not save seed as much as I should I it's something I've never really got into and I've always been I think it does take quite a lot of research because I've always thought well because I know you can't do things like squashes because they cross-pollinate. And I think mm-hmm. there's quite 
thought process behind it and you know research and that's something that I do want to do uh, one year is to challenge myself to do that more um but again with the sunflowers I was sending out all these sunflower seeds over Christmas and I was like what if they don't germinate I'm just <laughs> out these packets like thinking yeah it's going to be lovely for everyone and I was thinking what if they don't germinate and then it was really really nice to see this spring um people sending me photos of their seeds germinating and their plants and I was like it does actually work (laughs) yeah definitely such a relief but then this year it'll be so nice and it's like hopefully people will save their seeds as well and it just kind of carries on I always think that the ones that have been saved but either by yourself or sent to you by someone else who saved them you just have that little bit more love and care for them I always have a little bit more of like a well but these are the special seeds because like this person has sent them to me and it was saved from their plants last year so I must protect them (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think also it's just the community side of it as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of people on Instagram, they go, do you want some seeds? And, you know, you'll just share them. And it's it's just like a really nice community thing to do and to be like, that's, that's that person's seeds or that person gave me those. It's, yeah, it's lovely, especially as I think gardening for maybe the younger generations can be quite, um, the word is, you can be quite sheltered from things when mm-hmm. without social media, basically. Um, mm-hmm. If I was there on my allotment the whole time, I probably wouldn't have so many connections with other people if I wasn't on Instagram sharing my garden. Um, so, yeah, it's just lovely to be able to connect with people in different countries all over the world and share share seeds. Definitely. And it's interesting you talk about that as well, because I think so many young gardeners have faced a bit of, not necessarily a challenge, but it's kind of, you always get that slight negativity from the more traditional older gardeners who are quite like, you you do things this way or you don't do them at all. Um, And we've been talking quite a lot about how, like all of the gardening programmes and everything that is set up for gardeners is just so tailored towards that other audience that I think when I discovered Instagram, I honestly didn't know that anyone under the age of 50 was really into gardening. And everyone jokes about me being like retired and whatnot, because I think I was about 22, 23 when I first got my allotment. And um, and then like finding out that there was other people under the age of 50 that were gardening was just amazing. And everyone's so passionate about it and so creative. It's like a whole nother world that just steps away from traditional gardening and sort of puts it in a whole new light. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's a whole other world out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, being isolated sort of on your allotment site, you probably don't realise it um, until, yeah, you do get online and just see everyone else's, what they're doing. Um, yeah, and I think there's no boundaries as well. Um, mm-hmm. When you're when you start out, you're told you've got to do things like this and this is how you do this. Um, but I think with social media, you can just push those boundaries mm-hmm. and not really care what the results are. It's the learning process on the way. Definitely. And everyone's got different advice as well. That's something I've definitely found. Like you go, what's wrong with this plant? And you'll get 50 different responses or how, how should I best grow my sweet corn? And everyone has got a bit of a different story. So it's just all about finding what works for you and sort of sticking to your guns. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing about the trial and error. There's no point giving up because you will find something that works for you at some point. It's just finding that method that works for you. 
Yeah, definitely. We'll all get there. I just feel like every year is a bit of an experiment and you see even things that have grown really well. The first two years might not grow well this year. Like there's so many factors that influence it. So we're just winging it really, aren't we? (laughs) The weather, the weather, you cannot control it. And as much as you'd love to control it, you are not fighting it, but um, you're up against it all the time. And the weather and Mother Nature is going to do exactly what it wants. Um, So, yeah, that is such a big contributing factor to whether something goes well or Mm -hmm. doesn't go well. So, yeah, you can't always be in control of it. (laughs) <laughs> and so we're probably just about time to wrap up now but is it, if there was one bit of advice that you could give to someone who was just starting out what would your bit of advice be oh I don't know I would someone starting out I would say don't take on too much at once always start with something small I started with pots in my parents garden I then took on my allotment and covered two-thirds of it for the first year and just worked that one third. And every single time I did a piece on that allotment, um, I just felt such relief and such sort of revelation that I'd actually managed to finish something. I'd done it. And then it was just a case of keeping on top of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of the time people are daunted with these big spaces and all these weeds that are sort of waist high. And you just think, where the hell am I going to start? Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Taking it down in smaller chunks. Um, I'd always recommend doing that. Yeah, I think that's a really good bit of advice. It's definitely something that I didn't follow when I got started. I was like, I'm going all out. <laughs> well, you did, yeah, but you did. You started off with a smaller plot and then yeah, you moved yeah. up. To, so you have, in a way, it's just to your own sort of scale of things. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the, the bigger plot has definitely been quite a, quite a big step up, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, if you love it enough, you make it work, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and if people want to follow you on Instagram, you are Hayley's Lottie Haven. I think there's some underscore thing is. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And then you've also got is it I think it's at full stop backyard designs. Yes, at back.yard.designs. Amazing. Perfect. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see Hayley's wedding foods, flowers and what incredible products might be next for her beautiful business. You definitely don't want to miss this, so make sure you find her on Instagram at Hayley's underscore Lottie underscore Haven and at back.yard.designs. If you've enjoyed listening today, please do subscribe to keep up to date with upcoming episodes and leave a review. In the meantime, I'd love to hear any of your questions and stories on Instagram at diary of a lady gardener or via email diary of a lady gardener at gmail.com that's all from me this week happy growing this podcast has been produced by jay's world with original audio from jason matthews